0: Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market.
1: You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it.
0: Sheena, when you were in school Mm -hmm. and you got assigned the science project, the group science project, were you the person leading the team, making sure everyone was involved? Were you uh, the lone wolf? Like, yeah, I got my work done, but I'm not really here to hang out with you. Or were you like throwing pencils in the ceiling in the back of class? Like, wait, we had a science project this week.
1: (laughs) Uh, You could probably guess which one I was, Devin, not to toot my own horn, but (laughs) (laughs) I think
0: I know, but I don't want to assume anything.
1: Um, Yes, Yes. group projects. Well, it was kind of interesting. So I would say like when I was really young, I was very, very shy. And I didn't really love the group project thing. I love to come and do my own solo thing and get it done. But if we were in a group setting, as that happens more as you get older, um, I love to just take the reins and just like run the whole thing and make sure everything went off perfectly and smoothly. So that was my role. Um, what about you
0: when <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Oh wait, the spotlight is still on me. I forgot. I am still shy a little bit. Let me flip it on Devin. Exactly. Um, you know, I think it kind of depends. I was, uh, I would say I was a leader in terms of like, I liked things done things done my way or the way I thought was best, which often happened to be my way, of course, uh, perception at least. Um, but I've also think and maybe just like since science class learned that um, you know, there's a role player on every team and you can be a leader and you can still be great and bring a lot to the table, but you don't necessarily have to be point guard or running the show. So I've gotten better at kind of realizing where do I need to be uh, leading the science project versus uh, where can I just, you know, bring bring my bit to the table. Reason what's the, I what's, oh, yeah, what's,
1: the, what's the role of the, the guy or the girl that's throwing pencils up in the ceiling?
0: That's a good question. (laughs) I think their role is just like what not to do in incarnate. You know what I mean? Like
1: some humor, maybe they add some, some comedic humor to the whole situation.
0: Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. But the reason I asked you was because now you have a very cross-functional role, senior Mm -hmm. director, marketing, AKA category, category designer. Um, and it was cool to, you know, it's cool to see you work and how you do things. I'm, I, I get to be the person, uh, you know, second, third in command with you time to time. I'm happy with that. Um, but we got to hang out with Monica today, who's the VP of Sales at Zendesk Cell. And all we talked about was cross-collaboration, specifically launching new projects. What was like your big takeaway, Sheena? Was there something that really like stuck, stuck with your mind?
1: I think that cross-functional alignment it starts it it starts early on um you know you have to include that as part of your process from like the inception of this new product or right from day one when you decide you're gonna go internationally Uh, i think like that that was probably the number one takeaway that it it is it needs to come from day one
0: yeah yeah it's interesting because when people talk about closing like how to close a deal it actually starts with discovery it starts at the beginning Mm -hmm. and we talk about cross-functional alignment it's not where the tires hit the road it's not once people are starting to roll up their sleeves it's long before that right it's mapping out who's involved what their roles are um so i completely agree and it was cool to hear from from monica having worked at a few big companies and now zendesk uh launch a new product go international uh, and just kind of get her her two cents so so true With no further ado Pack up your science project, and let's go hang out with Monica.
1: Monica, welcome to Reveal. We're so excited to have you here today.
2: Thanks. I'm excited to join you guys.
1: So we're going to talk about cross-functional collaboration today and really, you know, especially, which is especially important when you're launching a new product or a new business line. Um, So we're going to go deep into that. But before we do that, we want to talk a little bit about you and a little bit about your journey. Um, Today, your VP of sales at Zendesk Cell, Um, and before that, you've had a pretty interesting career. You've worked at some big organizations like Oracle and AWS, Um, but you started your career as an AE at San Diego Business Journal. Uh, Would love to hear a little bit about your career path and what got you to where you are today.
2: Yeah, so a few things come to mind when I think of my career, and I think it's uh, having a strong network. What's your professional brand and then finding strong mentors and someone who's going to sponsor you the network thing is really timely because we actually just had a sales training for the team here and one of the stats was people are seven times more likely to buy from someone that they know or or referral and i feel that's the same for hiring i think about all the hiring i've done at amazon and here at zendesk and a lot of it is from people i've worked with in my past life And that takes me to my job at the Business Journal. Um, I reached into my network. I found someone I knew that was able to uh, refer me. It was right out of college, so I don't think I would have ever gotten the job if I didn't ask. And I think that's one of the biggest things is people have a large network, but typically they're afraid to asked their network for help. Um, And then, so at the Business Journal, one of my clients that was advertising with me, they had a value-added reseller and they recruited me to go work for them. And that was my introduction into technology sales. From there, I had a friend that was working at uh, Oracle and he referred me into Oracle, um, which moved me from San Diego back to the Bay Area And then the sponsor piece which is really different from a mentor so a mentor is exactly what i was saying you're going to go to them get advice um different perspectives a sponsor is someone who is going to tap you on the shoulder and bring you to each company that they go to and basically say follow me and that's what took me from oracle to amazon to zendesk is a sponsor who i'm you know still working with today
1: that's amazing i love that journey and like the power of the people around you Could you tell us about maybe a roadblock that you encountered along that way, like really, really difficult time? And and what did you do to overcome that?
2: So (laughs) this is going to sound bad because I think roadblock has a negative connotation um, because I'm going to say my kids, which sounds horrible. (laughs) I love my kids. Um, But it's true. I I remember when, and this was at Amazon, when um, I – First, got pregnant, and I remember coming off a fantastic year. I had an awesome team, and I was creating and building this new group that was going to be um, something that we haven't done at Amazon before. And so I was really excited. And at that exact same time, and we were doing the fiscal year planning and everything. And at that exact same time, I found out I was pregnant, and I was so nervous to tell my boss because I was afraid it was going to jeopardize everything that I've worked towards, uh, and. I remember when I sat down to tell her, uh, she was extremely supportive uh, and said, when you think about your career in the grand scheme of things, maternity leave is this little blip on your overall career. And so it's the pressure and the unnecessary pressure that you're putting on yourself. Um, and, and I think like that's one thing too with COVID that it's helped where we have now like blurred the lines of personal and professional life. I used to keep it very separate. Um, and now you don't, I mean, you don't really have a choice when it first started, but for me, it's helped kind of blurring those lines and finding a balance between, um, both being, you know, a mom and, um, having my professional, uh, career.
0: Very interesting. The three kind of a piece of advice, uh, from your experience that you led with going back to the network. I have, cousins who are just graduating college and i beg them please go to linkedin find companies you (laughs) want to work for and see if i know anybody there uh and and it happens surprisingly uh less than i would hope and i think it's like you said they're nervous to make the ask especially if they have uh younger folks that you know they they don't think they have anything to give and reciprocate right they're like oh this is just an ask but for the right folks people genuinely like to help yeah well, let's get into Zen Desk Cell a little bit because I'll play the honesty card. I had not heard of it until I knew we were getting you on the oh, show, but I've heard of Zen That pains me. I haven't been under a rock. <laughs> no, I'm,
2: I'm sorry. But
0: <laughs> we, we do no I'm going to keep it very honest with you. Uh, but the good news is myself and at least a thousand other people will have heard it once this goes live. So Yes, that does trade-off.
2: pain me, Devin. Um You've heard of Zendesk though, right? Let's start there. 100%. I've
0: been, okay, I've, been, great. I've been inside for a year and a half. I'm not under yeah. a rock for five, <laughs> 10 years. So yeah, I'm aware. So <laughs>
2: yeah, so Zendesk, you know, first, um, before jumping in into Sal, um, is, uh, you know, a um, service company, and I'm sure many of our listeners have used Zendesk in, you know, personal and professional life. Uh, they're known for their clean UI ease of, uh, use for customers and, and time to value. And over the last couple of years, they've really seen a trend that sales and support are, it's kind of becoming one and the same, and that's what customers expect too. So a few years ago, they acquired, uh, a company called base CRM, which was, Historically, an SMB product, um, Salesforce automation tool, and since they've acquired it, Zendesk has been solely focused on bringing this product closer to the core and bringing Zendesk closer to becoming a true CRM um, provider. So, it's been a year and a half now that they have streamlined the commercial enterprise business for Zendesk sell. Um, and that's the piece I lead. So I lead Zendesk sell globally for commercial enterprise, um, for the commercial enterprise space.
0: Not to add insult injury. I have heard of base CRM, so I'm familiar with both companies. I'm just not learning the So we rebrand,
2: we rebranded it as sell. Um, so I'll talk to marketing that they need to do a better job.
0: It's, you know (laughs) what, by no means, should I be the only test subject to see if they're doing their, their job. I'm, I'm, but one man, um, well, that's great. That is interesting though. Um, and for Zendesk itself, is it primarily B2B or is there B2C companies that use it as well?
2: Yeah, so uh, for Zendesk Cell, it's the, u- we are still, because we're still moving into commercial enterprise and like I said, historically, S&B. So obviously a lot of B2C there. Um, as we move into enterprise, it's, um, we find use cases that have like the B2B and B2C components. Um, so mm. it,
0: it's both. Well, here's here's why I ask, and here's a here's a compliment to to try to uh, smooth over my insult. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever I'm on the consumer side and I reach out to support and I see Zendesk, is like they use Zendesk. I'm always like, oh, they take support seriously because I know Zendesk is like the leader in that space. So B two B wouldn't be so surprised. But when I see it in the B two C, I'm like, okay, they mean business. Um, yeah. So that's interesting. So you're yes. leading, you're the VP of Sales on Zendesk Sell. So I know we're going to get into cross collaboration. So, what's your team kind of made up as? uh, Like maybe like kind of size of the team, how many reps? Maybe kind of the region, and then we we get get into some of the questions on kind of like collaborating with other departments outside of uh, your direct scope.
2: Yeah. So I have um, three leaders that currently report to me. um, Two that sit in a mayor. Some of the leaders in a mayor also cover uh, LATAM and APAC and. We are actually going to be expanding in region there next year. Again, some of the pandemic stuff, it was supposed to happen last year and we put a hold on some of that. So we will be expanding in region there. And then I have a leader that sits out of um, London and covers the entire EMEA market.
1: So I I suspect when you took over this business, this is a new area for Zendesk, right? You're now working with Mm -hmm. sales teams and sales leaders and pushing to this new uh you know new personas it requires a lot of alignment internally like not just within your team but with marketing with customer success yeah. with with really everyone with executives um so I'd love to hear a little bit about that alignment aspect of of the preparation before you went to market with this um with this product who did you have to work with what did you have to yeah. align around
2: so um Actually, you know, going back to what Devin was saying, Zendesk bread and butter is our customer service offering. So I think that was the biggest thing when we're bringing sell into um, the market is we're now pursuing a new buyer. Um, we're solving different business challenges and it was critical to get that top down alignment internally. So we showed up in the market as one company. And so I think it for us, it was almost doing that internal brand awareness was a little bit more important at the beginning than anything external. We had to get all different parties on board, including the already existing um, support sales team we have, because that really is gonna be our biggest partner. There's tons of Zendesk customers on the service side that aren't aware that we actually have a Salesforce automation tool since we acquired um, Base. So. It was really getting the top-down alignment from the executives and making sure that they're pushing that message and it's getting um, adopted internally that like, yes, we are going to show up in the market as one company. Um, And yeah, to your point, Sheena, it was working with all, like we had to, sales is just one small component, right? We had to make sure that we were tightly aligned with product um, because there was a lot of things that we had to give feedback on as we move into the commercial enterprise, Um, our product marketing team to define who our ideal customer profile is, Um, and then all the other supporting functions from SDRs, BDRs, Alliance, all of that.
0: Monica says that positive results follow when a company is aligned from the top down. This means that when sales teams and other teams like marketing, product, and customer success are fostering a strong culture and sense of collaboration, then key business initiatives push forward. This reminds me of the stat from LinkedIn that says 85% of sales and marketing leaders believe that their alignment is the biggest opportunity to improve their business. 85%, that's a lot. This may sound obvious, but the data also shows that nine out of 10 sales and marketing professionals feel misaligned. So it's important to look at the potential red flags. Like Monica said, internal brand awareness across the entire company was just as important as external functions in the building stages. It was important for everyone to know their own role and own it. Part of this means using data to make sure efforts are being executed in the right direction and to ensure messaging is landing with prospects and existing customers.
1: I'm sure there were some ways that you could understand whether folks were aligned or not. There were some signals or some way to measure that. Uh, Perhaps, could you talk a little bit about that? Like, how did you know that things were aligned, that you guys were all on the same boat, like headed in the right, same direction?
2: Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is finding, finding what the North Star is and making sure that it's effectively communicated and everyone's on board, right? It's not just the North Star for sales and what we're trying to accomplish, it's for everyone. And it was open communication, regular cadence. Uh, It's no surprise that all departments, there's always some contentious relationships, right? Where sales wants product to do something or products not delivering fast enough and uh, product thinks sales is pushing too hard. And and it's making sure that you have that transparency and open communication. For me, it was having, literally we have biweekly cadence where every, and you also have to get ownership. Like each person has to own their piece to make sure that we're driving towards accomplishing, you know, the, that North Star. And so um, it's a regular cadence that we have biweekly where each different department owns their slide of what, what was it that we accomplished last month? What are the goals for this month? What are challengers, or challenges and blockers? Um, and we use, I, I'm sure a lot of companies use it, SMART goals to kind of make sure that we're tracking all of that and making progress.
0: As you work through these uh, weekly, monthly check-ins, Monica, I'm curious how, how you kind of measure success, like if there's any data points that you look at, and maybe it's during the planning process, the launch, the kind of reinforcement portion, but I'd love to just kind of hear what are some of the you know, kind of data points that you look at when launching these products?
2: yeah um i mean the biggest one is obviously adoption um and looking at new business adoption versus um expansion and you know within our existing customer base um we also are closely aligned with product marketing to make sure that our message is resonating um when we're actually like just in general from launching this new product. We, we started with a macro piece of understanding what our total addressable market is um, before we even like put together the whole plan. And you know, lucky for us, CRM is huge. It's a 40 billion TAM um, and Salesforce only owns like 20% of that. So there's a ton to go after, but you also can't just have a spray and pray approach um so from there it was okay we know we have a huge tam um we know we don't do well in trying to rip and replace salesforce um and boiling it down to like where we do do well so it was looking at all customers that are currently using cell and trying to create these lookalike campaigns and everything um and then making sure that our messaging with support and sell is aligned um, and that there's benefits of actually using sell because of the integrations between support. Um, So a lot of it was going after what our existing um, customer base is on the service side.
1: Yeah, that's interesting when you launch a new product, it's, it's not just all net new. It seems like you are really going after your existing customer base first and upselling them on this new product, so that seems to require even more alignment with your existing teams because you can, you don't want to upset or rock the boat with your existing clients. Like that business needs to continue to sustain and grow and thrive. And then you're layering else, laying something else on, on top of that.
2: And I think the hardest thing for us, as we do move into the commercial enterprise space is yes, we have the benefit of going after our already existing Zendesk customers. But on the sell side, it's essentially net new. Where if you think about any um, SaaS offering or technology company, a lot of their revenue comes from existing run rate business. And so we're really building from the ground up.
1: That makes sense. So why don't we shift from talking about new product launches to alignment during international expansion? So you talked earlier about some new regions that you've been entering um, via your reps that are located in in the US. But let's break that down a little bit. So how did you think about which geos to enter? And who was involved in that process? I can't imagine it was like just sales figuring this out. You had to work alongside a lot of other different teams.
2: I mean, we we entered every geo where Zendesk already has a presence. So it was, that work was kind of done because Zendesk already has uh, on the service side, right? A presence in all the, the regions that we entered into. Um, so for us, it wasn't so much trying to figure out what regions, but it was more how to address a lot of the challenges that um, come up when selling globally. And there was really two, two challenges that we broke it down to, it was product Um, because what works in a mayor doesn't always work in other regions. So there were certain things that we were discovering where naming conventions in APAC is done differently um, than it is in a mayor, where they enter last name, first name into their CRM and and not how we do it here in a mayor. So it was things like that and how to ensure that the product was built in a flexible way, that it could be used by all regions, and then it was just the challenges of how we're going to sell globally. Um, there's the cultural differences, there's language, um, there's regional pricing where, you know, we do still compete with Salesforce and, and Microsoft and, and that have had tons of experience, right? Putting together regional pricing and stuff like that. So it was really focusing on, on those main areas.
0: I'm curious, Monica, how did you kind of suss out those uh, those roadblocks or potential roadblocks, right? Like, uh, was it kind of just going full steam ahead and learning as you go? Like, oh, whoops, looks like last name goes first here or uh, pricing needs to change. Or was there maybe kind of like a, I don't know, research phase or so you know what I mean? Some way you could kind of get ahead of what some of these uh, important changes would be for you
2: all. Yeah, a lot of it was having really close alignment with you know operations in region and product marketing in, in region and challenges that they've already experienced on the service side so we didn't make the same mistake again um, but there's still a lot of the challenges that it's we're learning on the job and um, our big thing is fail quickly uh, so then you can move on
1: that's so important that mentality especially when you're doing new things, you're launching new products, or entering new geos, you're not going to know everything from the onset. You have to be willing to experiment and drop things that aren't working as quickly as possible.
2: Yeah, and I think the other thing uh, that we really leaned on when entering these new regions was our partner network. Because you have all these partners that understand, I, they're in those regions, right? They know the culture they have sold in the region they have uh, they've been able to hire in region they have the team there to support you and so that was probably a, a big thing for us was really leaning on on the partner network
1: yeah in, in some regions partners have a much more important role i remember my days when we were mongo db resellers channel partners the system mm-hmm. integrators they were much more prominent when we were working in europe than in for our u.s business yeah. uh, so you have to understand like how our buyers buying in those different places they may not buy direct they may trust their partner who's been working with them for decades to get their references and referrals on what they should be using
2: and it's absolutely still that way we the data shows us in europe and LATAM, we do a lot better with partners than we do here in amer
1: so speaking of data you talked about data as related to partner sales um, what role does data play more broadly in your day-to-day decisions?
2: Uh, a lot. I would be surprised if any sales leader said data didn't play a big part, um, in their day-to-day decisions. I think for me, the biggest thing is analyzing if we're spending our time in the right places and what's going to give us the biggest return. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's, Looking at, are we trending in the right direction? I talked about it earlier for new business acquisition. That's critical. Obviously looking at bookings and then team performance too, because we have to be able to see what we've laid out for the team, the metrics that um, have been communicated to them. If they are doing all of that and the results aren't there, do we have to pivot? Are, are we expecting too much? or Are we not asking for enough? Uh, and, and then I think the biggest thing is making sure that we're giving the team the data they need to succeed. So yes, I have all my data that I look at, um, but does the team have the data they need to be able to put together a strong territory plan um, and strategically you know, go after their territory and deliver results?
0: You mentioned, Monica, making sure you're spending or your team spending time in the right places. Territory could be part of that. I'm wondering if there's anything maybe on the productivity level right? Like, uh, you know, it could be activity metrics, talk time, yeah. anything like that. I'm curious if you have any kind of like indicators you look for, for your team, you know, Hey, here's maybe, maybe it's like a weekly expectation. I've been in teams where that's the case, or if maybe you just have like more philosophical approach of like, Hey, here's key indicators for, you know, uh, yeah, what, what will make rep successful?
2: No, I am very specific on exactly what it is. Um, I want from a metric standpoint. So we have laid out how, And these are all field sellers, but I guess everyone's pivoted since the pandemic, but you still have to make calls, right? How many calls, how many touches, how many demos, how many meetings, um, how many opportunities, but we don't just set it and then forget it. We're constantly looking and seeing, is the team able to deliver? Are we at, like I said earlier, are we asking for too many calls? Um, and then we will adjust and, and update the metrics that, uh, we're you know we're looking for
0: gotcha gotcha monica are you ready for the toughest question of the interview <laughs> i'm kidding it's the same question we ask all of our lovely guests which is how would you describe sales in one word
2: and everyone wants more than one word word because there's so many um i i would love more than one but i would say rewarding uh and not Yes, obviously, the financial upside is why people get into sales, which can be extremely rewarding. But for me, it's when I think of rewarding, it's you've had to fight through something to actually feel, you know like that reward. Um, and that's why when I do, whenever I interview people, I I know that obviously, yes, they've had tons of success, otherwise I wouldn't be interviewing them so, I don't ask like, oh, tell me, you know, all the times you made your number and tell me about it, you know, the best deal you won. I always ask about a time that they've missed their number, um, when they've failed and how they recovered. And I think that's where the reward happens.
0: I completely agree. Uh, We had a guest, uh, Kelly Wright. Remember, Sheena said uh, part of kind of her interview process was asking what their biggest accomplishment has been professionally. And, uh, sussing that out too, which is like, if it was a really big accomplishment, she looks for like resilience, right? Was there a barrier? Was there a roadblock Mm -hmm. you overcame? And an interesting one she pointed out for culture to fit was, um, was it a solo win or a team win that this person finds most, you know, most, uh, accomplished. So, uh, great, great, uh, great word, Monica, given what you do and what you're all about rewarding fits very well.
1: Well, thanks so much Thank for joining you. us, Monica. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks, Monica. Every week, we bring you a micro action, something you can think about or an action you can put into play today. Monica stresses how important top-down alignment is to achieving the company's north star when launching a new initiative. Part of that alignment involves having regular and open communication throughout an organization. This week, experiment on a new way to make space for regular and open communication between all areas of your team. This can be done in group settings or one on ones and could involve dialogues outside of the sales team. Like Monica said, everyone owns their own piece of accomplishing company goals. This exercise will open up new opportunities to drive important new business initiatives forward and help expand your current customer base. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday.
1: And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there.
0: And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then.